You're listening to the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. In today's publishing landscape, you can reach fans all over the world. Query letters are a thing of the past. You don't even need a literary agent. There is nothing standing in the way of making a living from writing. Join two best-selling authors who have self-published more than 20 books between them. Now, on to the show with your hosts, Autumn Burt and Jasper Schmidt. Hello, I'm Jesper. And I'm Autumn. This is episode 50 of the M Writing Fantasy Podcast, and we are going to discuss the book description. And some also call it the blurb. It's basically what you write on the back of your book and as a sales description on sites like Amazon. So we're going to discuss what makes for a good book description, how do you write one, which can convert to sales, and that's all coming up on this episode. Excellent. I can't wait because this is so important to your book sales and interesting readers, but yeah, we'll get there. But first we have some news. So you had quite the week, I understand, Jesper. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that our listeners want to hear any of the details because I've just been sick with the stomach flu for several days and it's, it's, it was not a pleasant experience and, and the details I will spare you. <laughs> <laughs> it does not sound like fun. I mean, that definitely puts a dent in everything. I mean, it's like a full stop when you're truly, truly sick and in bed. So I'm glad you're feeling better. Yeah, much better now. Yeah, I was I was in bed for three days with with forty degrees fever. So you can you can imagine now that I'm feeling better and I get back to my work and whatnot. There's just a ton of things that I'm behind on now, but that's the name of the game. It is. It, it yeah. It always seems like I know you and I know us, and we always have our to do list that we'll never see the bottom of because we're always adding new things. And so you not working yeah. on something for a few days, it must have looked like a mountain grew. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I've been, I would say today, uh, for my time, we are recording this in the evening. So so all day today, I've, I've been really busy trying to catch up on stuff. But I, I think I have some stuff I need to catch up on tomorrow as well. But for the most part, I'm quite pleased with the mm-hmm. progress I made today. So I, I got a lot of done today. So that's good. That's Feels very good. good. That's very good. Now for me, I mean, I was told you I was maybe struggling with a little bit of a cold. I had a small fever, nothing like you had. But I think my computer is like cursed right now, honestly. <laughs> Have you ever had one of those weeks where like you try to go do something simple and whatever you try to do either needs updated, just isn't working right. You got to reboot, you've got to reload. It just seems like everything I've tried to touch on my computer this week has been fighting me. So I'm, I'm about ready to toss it out the window, even though of course I can't because <laughs> I kind of yeah. need it. Yeah. Oh, it has been yeah, so Maybe a computer has the stomach flu as well. I think it might be, at least I know it's not a virus, but it might have the stomach flu and even my Wacom tablets. So, you know, I do a lot of graphic design. You know, I go and work on something a couple of days ago. I go to go back to it and first Photoshop didn't work. Uh, the oh. new update complete. I can't open a file that was nearly finished. This really big full paperback wrap, and oh, Photoshop no, couldn't me. open it. So two hours later, my entire time to work on it, I finally managed just said to heck with it and reverted to the former edition of Photoshop, and it would open then. So at least I got it as far as opening. But then I go hmm. to work on a new cover today, and my Wacom tablet, my that I use for drawing 
isn't working. Every time I go to touch it with the pen, it goes to the upper left corner of my screen. I'm like, what? What's, I can touch it, but every time I use the pen, it zooms off. It's alive. It's alive. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so after some research that I finally decided it was probably the drivers and updated those. So I am ready to work again, but I'll get back to that later tonight, I think. Oh my God. The, but th- this is what, like one thing, you know, that I cannot stand. It's like <laughs> al- also, you know, if, if my if my computer is not working or something like that, it, it's like... I feel like what what should I say like like the carpenter who is trying to do some carpentry and then his tools are not working. So mm-hmm. I, I, it's just like it just has to work. I don't want to fix tools; they just have to work. They're there to serve me, <laughs> and I hate it when they don't work. It's absolutely, and it seems like like you know, especially for something creative, you're in the mind, you're like thinking about it. You want to sit down to write, and like you know, you either don't have paper, or your scrivener isn't working, or something silly like that. And it's just like it kills the energy that you have going that you want to give to whatever you're working on. And so, yeah, that's I think part of the frustration too. You just who wants to spend two hours trying to figure out a Photoshop update when they could be drawing and making happy pictures. So ah, that was my week. A week on the internet with the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. So this is a s- sort of a bit of old news by now, I guess. I mean, not old, but it's like a month old, I would mm. say. Uh, but I, I posted some some details about it last week on on Patreon uh, because we have now got the ability to place Amazon ads in the Amazon UK and the Amazon German stores. That's right. So that's pretty cool. I mean, technically... You could do it before, but you needed an Amazon Advantage account, which was pretty damn difficult to get. I tried like three times applying for it myself, and I never got one. Wow. Um, because you're not supposed to. It, it was sort of like a workaround of the system, if you like. <laughs> so I never got in there. But now they have officially opened so that you can actually place Amazon ads in, these, in the UK and German store via the KDP dashboard itself. Nice. So I started testing out that and playing around with it somewhat. So... That's pretty good, actually. Um, I've started to see upticks in sales in, in the UK where it was very difficult to sell something before because if you can't advertise, we all know how hmm. you how you drown in the in the sea of books. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, so easily. So, yeah, so it has helped a lot. Um, but I will say for those who's gonna test this stuff out, uh, be careful of the currency differences, please. Because uh, if you are bidding like, let's say, 50 cent in the US, uh, don't put 50 cent into the UK store because then it's 50, you know, it, it's <laughs> pound pounds. currency. Yeah, no, not 50 pounds, but uh, <laughs> uh, but it's it's all, all of a sudden uh, pounds currency, right? So 0.5 is a lot more than 0.5 in the US store. Yes, it so, is. And the same thing for the German store, that's euro. So that's uh, 50 cent euro and not 50 cent USD. So be careful. Otherwise, you will pay a lot of money to Amazon all of a sudden. <laughs> That's a very good tip. I'll have to remember that. I haven't tried that out, but I do need to beef up my advertising again. I'm trying to revamp. Thinking outside the box on marketing, because like you said, so many people are doing the exact same thing. And I just, I'm always hitting that wall going, what is next? What is new? What is no one else doing? And well, when I figure it out and get it working, I'll certainly let you know. But for now, I'm yeah, just still And then a month later, everybody will be doing it. Well, that's true. Maybe I won't let anyone know. Maybe I'll just let you know. Or maybe just our listeners. I don't know. We'll figure that one out. 
<laughs> but I am yeah. bound and determined to fi- find something new and innovative because there's got to be something else that can work because, oh my gosh, Amazon is so saturated. Yeah, but to be honest, I, I think finding something new, it, it is difficult. Mm. Um, I think it, it might be more about just being better at the ads than everybody else so, so that you... Mm. Uh, just learn how to do it even better. I mean, okay, Amazon ads, it might not be the best example because that's like uploading keywords and doing some bidding. So, But at least if you're doing something like Facebook ads, there is a lot of different variances that you can sort of apply to your ads in terms of how you're targeting and how you're placing the ads and all that stuff. So I think there you can learn how to do it really well and 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 then make basically make a difference and and we have some uh well th- this is way too early to talk about that but uh, <laughs> but i can never help myself but we have some uh, stuff that we already have prepared and developed for oh, yeah. uh, free course that we're going to do in 2020 but i can almost say with certainty that it's not going to be ready until after summer next year mm-hmm. but in there we're actually gonna um, give you the possibility to uh to get a, your hands on an ads tracker that uh, we use uh, or I use so far, but it's for also used for our books. Um, and it's going to, or it will, well, I already wrote it, so I know it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's awesome. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's, it's explaining all the best practices and how to do it, how to target, how to, uh, where to place your ads, uh, how to think about your uh, ad copy and and everything is in there so we're going to give you that your the possibility for for you to get a hands of that in the last half of 2020 uh, and of course if anything changes i will of course update it as well um but yeah and then once we give that to you then everybody will start doing that and <laughs> then i'll need to figure out something new but yeah, that's okay. something new but that's all right it is really such a cool sheet so i mean i was excited when i saw it and i need to get into using it get my, like I said, my marketing tamed, but it's really excellent. Yeah. Um, so basically, yeah, that, that was some stuff I posted about on, on Patreon uh, last week. Yeah. And um, I think if, if you want, dear listener, to get some exclusive posts like that one that I mentioned here, together with uh, writing tips that Autumn post regularly as well we also have early access to the podcast episodes dedicated q a sessions and much much more than uh, check out am writing fantasy on patreon there is a link in the show notes to uh, down below so i just have to say that there, there is a lot of work that goes into producing these podcast episodes every week so if you do find them valuable you know as little as a dollar a month will really uh, make sure to that we keep the lights on here so so yeah. consider that, please. Yeah, and we appreciate it. And especially, though, not just the the patronage and getting some, you know, that dollar a month. But I know, like, Zaid had once again mentioned that he uh, he really liked the one recent podcast where I mentioned that even though I'm here in my 40s, I just discovered this awesome purple beauty berry that I didn't know exists, that there's actually a plant that has purple berries and I love purple. So it really connected home with him that, you know, even the most experienced character in his story is not going to know everything about the world or everything that's going on. And I thought that was really cool because one, I helped another writer and two, it's, it's so true. It's another perspective just because you have a knowledgeable character that they're not going to know everything. And so it's so much fun to, to get to talk writing and, 
help each other out and, you know, get new perspectives. And we do that all on Patreon. So it's kind of fun. I hope you join us there. And on to today's topic. Oh, so book descriptions. That's uh, actually one of my quite, it's, it's a topic I quite like, but I used to hate. I, I guess I could put it like that. <laughs> That's true. I think it's one you have to grow to love. And I see so many authors, you know, complaining about writing them. And I have to admit that I used to complain too. Like, how do you boil 105, 120,000 words down to, you know, ideally something around 500 but I know for me, I really conquered these when I wrote the 11 short stories that went into the beginning, the prequel to my dystopian uh, series. And I decided to reach release all 11 individually. And I think I was really getting excited about this and so excited. I had the covers and then I realized, oh my goodness, that means I need 11 blurbs. 11. Then I still have <laughs> the rest of the series to write. What? What was I doing? And so that's when I just changed my tune and got much more scientific and much more organized about how mm. to write this. And you, yeah, I know you like this. You have a whole book on book descriptions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, we're gonna put that in the description field. Oh, sorry, that was my old YouTube the habit coming up there in the show notes. I mean, we're gonna put go. that in the show notes. <laughs> Two years of YouTubing, I guess we can forgive you. Yeah, uh, but but I don't know. Maybe it's because writing a book description, it's a bit. Maybe people think a bit about it as as writing ad copy almost, mm. you know. So we used to yeah, putting together these wonderfully beautiful constructed wor words in, in a full fantasy novel and all of a sudden we have to do ad copy in 200 words. It's like, well, we don't want to do that. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's part of part of why people don't like it. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I mean, if I think back, originally it was not because I did not like it due to the ad copy aspect of it I, I think it's more like i just didn't understand how to do it in in a way that it it would not read like a, either a very boring ad copy <laughs> or it would be like almost like a summary of what the book is about and that's not right. the point either so no. and I, I think i just didn't know how to do it that's very true and it's so often you can see the ones who you know didn't put in the time or weren't really sure what they were doing. And even I know for you and I both, we've updated ours and kept changing and evolving it as, you know, as we learn. And sometimes the comments that people leave, and we will get into that as we talk about how to do book descriptions, they can change what you focus on because sometimes readers will find things in your book that you didn't know you put there and it's what they love. And it's the best hook to put into your blurb. Mm, yeah, but I think when it comes to book descriptions, you know, we, we just cannot ignore this. That there is a business aspect of being an author. And I know we've said it before, but it bears repeating. <laughs> uh, you know, you have to sell books and, and whether we like it or not, though, the, the, the book description, it, it's just a crucial factor when a reader decides to buy your book or if they just decide to ignore it. Uh, that's really where the book description needs to do its job. I agree. I mean, usually it's really a staged thing. So they often see your book cover and it makes them curious enough that they're going to go read your description. And if the description does not make them the blurb, make them curious enough to go get a sample, if not outright buy it, then that's where you're going to lose them. So this is the second most serious part of, you know, trying to sell your book. 
Yeah, I mean, because the the cover will not sell the book alone. The cover no. will get people to click on it to say, okay, that looks interesting. And and then as you just say, then the book description is is the one that needs to close the deal. It's sort of like like the a catchy teaser or something like like for a movie trailer mm-hmm. or something like that. You know, it's it's the movie trailer that gets us into the theater and buy the ticket, right? But but the the movie poster is the one that that make makes us go and check out that movie trailer, right? Mm-hmm. So it's sort of the same journey that we we're going through here when when we're selling books uh, so i think that's it's just it's really important definitely and so i know we both have um because i i happen to have edited and formatted uh, your book description book so i'm very intimately familiar with it but <laughs> i've also i think before we started working together i had written a very small pamphlet a little worksheet on how to do them and we have very similar processes which go figure that's how we teamed up in the first place <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i know we both have a theory of like how many paragraphs and which ones you know what each one is supposed to do and that really helps you focus on what needs to happen in your book description so for the opening what is the first thing that readers see, potential readers see? What do you like to have on top? Yeah, I mean, at the top, so I have five steps to write a great blurb. Mm-hmm. And um, that at the top, you you basically, you well, maybe I should just say the five steps first. So you have what I call the tagline. Yeah. The second one is character introduction. The third one is inciting incident. And the fourth is escalate tension. And number five is, is dire straits and call to action. Mm-hmm. So we, we can go through through them in a bit more detail here. But, but at the top is the tagline. And um, I think probably one of the most, I, I don't know if I can call it famous, but one of the best examples of a killer tagline it was one that um, Adam Croft wrote. So Adam Croft is mm. a seven-figure author and probably one of the biggest indie authors in the world. And and by the way, we are going to have him here on the Am Writing Fantasy podcast between Christmas and New Year's as yeah. like a special treat. So, so <laughs> that's, that's going to be awesome. Yeah, that's a little present to everyone. Yes, a, a bit of a Christmas present. Um, <laughs> but with his book, uh, Her, Lost, Her Last Tomorrow, he wrote the tagline that went like this. Could you murder your wife to save your daughter? <laughs> oh, you know, oh, oh. that's the kind of thing that entice readers to buy a book. That's like, what? what? Okay, I need to read what that is about, right? Yes. <laughs> that's it's an incredibly effective way to catch uh, people's attention. Yes. And um, and I, because I, I think the other part that you need to be mindful is about that. Not everybody will will you know browse for your book on the laptop or something, mm-hmm. and and so not not depending on what device you're using to actually browse the books, your book description might not really show up except for the tagline. So it's important that what is on top there is really, really eye-catching. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that it doesn't get uh, clipped and then people are like, just like, okay, I got a half a sentence of something that doesn't make any sense to me. No, and I love your example had, it was a, it's a full sentence, it's a question, but a lot of them are often just phrases and those work too. Like some of the ones I've found that I just, when you read them, you could almost start thinking, oh my gosh, I could write a book about this. A royal assassin, a fallen princess, friends, enemies, bound by prophecy. There's so much into these. Another one that I've always really liked is heirloom of forbidden magic, a corrupt sorcerer who seeks to rule. You're starting to see some key components, but 
they kind of give you the tingles. A really good tagline makes you go, it kind of perks you up and you're like, ooh, what's that? And you kind of read the next line. And so that's what I think is so cool. They're, They're fantastic. Once you figure out your tagline, you're going to post this everywhere. It's going to be your tweets. It's going to be your Instagram. It's going to be what you put. Actually, for now, if you go to my website, all of my books I used to have the book description like next to the picture of the book and then you then the buy links and stuff like that. People don't like to see that many words now. I literally have pared that down to just the tagline. No description. Mm. So I have the tagline, the picture of my books and then the links to go get it. That's that's how important it is. It should sell the book basically on its own. It's what like I said you've been marketing images. This you're going to put the tagline yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, I guess just to cement the point, uh, how how important it is, because I know that uh, Mark Dawson, who is another seven-figure mm-hmm. indie author, he actually surveyed more than 10,000 readers. And he asked them what triggered each person to read his book. Uh, was it his cover, his reviews, his book title, and so forth and so forth. And what he learned out of that survey was that almost five times as many readers picked up his book because of the book description, as opposed to getting enticed by the cover. Wow. So you see that just, it just drives home the point that it is incredibly important. The book description is, and and I, and I really don't, honestly, I don't think that most people understand that, you know, most, most authors think it's something like, yeah, I'll just, I'll put something together there and then slam <laughs> up there goes. I think that's how most authors approach it. Yes. And it's a huge mistake. I agree. And it definitely takes some practice to get the right one. But and it even when you think you have the right one, you don't that's what your mailing lists, other authors, go ask them. I mean, post in our Am Writing Fantasy a Facebook group. That is a fantastic way to get a idea of how your blurb is working and some, you know, feedback on what you might need to tweak. Yeah. Yeah. I usually say write 15 different variations <laughs> of the tagline and it, it has to be short, catchy and memorable. Absolutely. And then just as Autumn is saying, then my usual advice is that once you have nailed it down to your own three favorites, then start posting those and ask other people's opinions. Yeah. Ask them to vote for their favorites. And then maybe the winner will not be the one that you expect, but... Uh, but if you get enough people voting on it and giving your the opinion on it, then yeah, yeah. you should probably follow what people are saying. But I, I guess the one caveat to that is that make sure you're asking people who actually read fantasy. <laughs> yes, that's very you know? true. <laughs> Don't ask your mother and your uncle and whatnot what they think is best because who, unless they read fantasy already, then their opinion matters nothing <laughs> exactly and yeah make sure you ask the people who are actually going to not only read fantasy but give you an opinion not like everything you do is wonderful dear oh yeah that part as well yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so okay should we move tag- on to step number two yeah after the tagline you said it's what you have the character introduction is how you put it yeah so this is where we need to introduce the character mm-hmm. and uh, this is actually where the where the book description begins because technically the tagline is just a teaser yes. uh, so now here in step two this is where the actual book description takes its beginning mm-hmm. and it's usually a short paragraph and it should appeal to 
general like human emotions and desires so it should be exciting and, and not like you know frodo is a hobbit of 33 years old and he lives in a place <laughs> called the shire blah 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 you know we don't want to read that so it should be something exciting but but we do need to introduce the character as the first thing because the character is what the readers need to identify with and that's why they should care about reading this book mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think it's one of the things I like to put in. So you're, this is where you're trying to figure out, you know, you go with your main character. This is who you're going to feature and highlight and do something that's going to hook the reader, catch their emotions so that they kind of want to know what's going on without giving too much away. But, you know, for me, when I was doing this the first time, I have um, four main characters in my first novel, in my debut, because I'm just sadistic and I wrote this <laughs> I, I we I think I counted once how many uh, how many characters I have by the end of book six, and I'm not nearly as bad as Game of Thrones. But I had yeah. If you don't read fantasy and you try to get through mine and you don't like multiple characters, you're going to be like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> so choosing the one main character is really hard. But I definitely learned as I grew and developed as an author that you need to pick one at the most two. And this is not the time to feature how clever you are at naming places, people, things, creatures. Literally, you don't want to throw too many new weird things that people don't understand unless they've read six of your books. So pick your main character, choose the name, and everything else should be her best friend, her enemy. Stick to keeping just one name because the more weird words you throw out, they're sticking points. And the reader's going to be like, they don't know. They don't care. There's no, they're not going to be overwhelmed by how cool you can name things. They're going to be like, oh my gosh, is the whole book going to be like looking up a thesaurus (laughs) to try to figure out what's going on? So that's my biggest advice when you're doing the character thing is just, you know, awesome place names. I'm glad you can come up with them. But when you get to the description, cut them out. You just want to focus on one thing and you want what the reader to focus on, not the names, but that emotional pull of something really important. Yeah, I think that series that you just mentioned, I, I think that was the one where where you emailed when, when you got to book six and you said, what the hell am I doing? Why why did I include this many characters? Now I have to cl- complete all these arcs and you were really frustrated with yourself. It wasn't. That's actually why I switched to Scrivener. I was writing um, book number five out of the six and I realized the plots were so complicated. The subplots, you have that many characters. Do you know how many subplots I was juggling? I said to heck with it and I went from pages to Scrivener like that and my book plotting has never been better <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I i don't think it's on on writing but it was somewhere where i read one time that stephen king also had a problem that he all of a sudden he had way too many characters in the book and he had no idea what to do so so he just blew the whole thing up and killed most of them and then that was solved <laughs> yes uh, this is a total tangent but i read a read a great mem today that said yes I have too many characters. I'm thinking of killing up, killing off a few of them. That should really spice up my autobiography. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, okay. There's writer writing humor aside. So I have a few examples of ways of, you know, things that I think are pretty interesting. So on a planet far from earth, descendants of a maroon space travelers fight a decades long war. Sky shy scholar Victoria knows nothing of this conflict until pirates kidnapped her to sell her to the sadistic tyrant behind it. And so, you know, those are getting on. You 
you're trying to find a way of giving some a little bit of a setting, a little bit of an emotion, some kind of nuance of who the character is without throwing out, you know, they could have sent out the name of the planet. They could have sent out so many other things, the name of the place this woman was living. But you just want to have the only real name is your main character. And then trying to find some ways of, you know, you know, emotions. She's been kidnapped. You you kind of draw in the reader to keep going to the next part. Mm-hmm. Indeed. <laughs> and the next part is inciting incident. Um, so that's probably sounds familiar to most of you, <laughs> I would think. <laughs> but uh, so the the inciting incident from a blurb blurb perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that should be a big revelation. I don't know, it could be like Frodo receiving the ring or somebody's on the run or perhaps something happens that no one expected. You know, the the trick is just to ensure that it relates to the character somehow. So it's not like in a far off land, a big uh, atomic bomb exploded. I don't know why that would happen in a fantasy novel, but that just came to my (laughs) mind. But but it has to, I mean, unless it's because uh, like a, a radiation will come to the character in 24 hours or what do I know, you know, unless it's something that affects the character, Mm -hmm. then it doesn't qualify as an inciting incident from a blurred perspective. It has to be affecting the character. And again, you're probably looking at something like only a paragraph long or something like that. Nothing more. Yes. And I like to say about this. So, I mean, this is one where you can actually use your inciting incident from the novel. So if you if you use the plotting, if you use even just the seven stages and you're crafting the blurb, you and I, we've talked about this, I tend to actually sort of develop a theme and almost a rough blurb before I start writing because then I kind of know what I'm writing. It's a good way of building out the whole novel outline. So for this one, it helps to use your inciting incident. I know a lot of authors who they feel like they're writing this blurb and what they're trying to put in here is actually the climax and that's too far along you're that's way too much information you just your goal as you're writing your description is to get the reader to get through that first couple of chapters of your novels just until that's where they're going to sell that they're going to be so hooked on the character and what's happening that they don't care they'll be like they'll be surprised by what's coming in the climax as well so this really is when you're writing your description you're kind of only focusing on that first third, if even that much of your novel. So really, this might be the inciting incident that, you know, the reader is going to get to in the first chapter, two, three chapters. So they're going to get to this incident pretty quickly, but that's very satisfying for them because they kind of like go, oh, this is what this, you know, this is why they they read the description and they go by the novel. So they want to have that solution. But by the time they, they get to that resolution of what they read the description for, they're already so invested in the book. They read another hundred thousand words, not a problem. Yeah, that, that should be the aim. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next book and the next book. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because the next one is escalate tension. So I think that that builds on what you just said as well, yes. because it's it's more about finding like that next beat that directly affects the protagonist after the inciting incident. So you're basically, I, I don't think it would be correct to say it, that you're building like a short, like mini, mini story in the, in the blurb, because that's not quite what you're doing, but, but it builds upon itself. So you have a tagline, which when people read it, 
it should prompt them to say, okay, that's interesting. Let me read a bit more. Then they, need to, they read the next paragraph with, with the character introduction and say, okay, that sounds interesting. I'll read a bit more. And then the inciting incident starts to pull them in. And then you get to escalate tension, which then just builds on what came before. Mm-hmm. So it's more like you you keep them reading and you're sucking them into basically drive them down the funnel until they get to uh, the, the next step, step number five, um, where you are trying to make the sale, basically. So that's that's the underlying idea. And I know that sounds simple, but it's absolutely not. <laughs> it is not. And for this one, <clears throat> this is the part that it's actually useful to ask questions. And you want to show clear stakes. You know, this is where you can say, Will they survive? Will, you know, or will they be defeated? These are the ones where you're asking those questions. And so if you are following like the seven steps of story structure, this is sort of those initial openings of the reaction phase where the character is reeling, they're questioning, you know, they want to go back to to what their life like was like before or they don't. But you're kind of asking those questions that character is basically dealing with right after the inciting incident in the story. So this is where you want to look for those sort of emotions to pull out. And these are, like I said, this is a great question, great place to actually ask questions. Don't answer them. Let them sit there so that the reader's like, well, will they survive? They want to, you want to capture that little, like, Oh my gosh, what's going on? How will they, how will they get out of this little event that you you've already drugged the reader on through this tiny little 500 word story that you're writing <laughs> yeah I, I think for me uh, I, I I need to be uh, in my view at least we need to be a bit careful here because escalate tension that step you need to be really careful that you're not jumping into step number five which is tire straights because basically in step number five, you have the low point mm. and this is where this is the part where you can start asking you know the question is how uh, not necessarily that you write this question but at least get the reader to ask the question in their own mind you know how are they going to survive this stuff and if you already put that too much in the escalate tension step then your blurb is going to run out of steam in the mm-hmm. last crucial part so you need to be really careful on how to balance it um, so basically you could almost view escalate tension like the bridge between the exciting incident and then the low point maybe towards the end of the novel. So it's mm. like what what sits in between there that you can sort of build the tension with. So think of it like you are pushing the, the, the person reading the blurb from the inciting incident and towards like the disaster point uh, of the novel that, that that is going to prompt them to say, okay, nobody can survive this. And if you can get them to say that, then they will p- pick up the book because then they want to understand how, how in the world is this going to work. Absolutely. And so, yeah, that's a great lead into the final paragraph. The- yeah. So, so obviously you're not trying to, with Die Straight, you are not trying to reveal the ending of your novel in any way or give away any twist or surprises. That's not the point, right? So as we already said, it's, it's a teaser. It's like the movie trailer. Uh, and if you think back on the movie trailers you hate the most, it's the ones that where you can sort of see what's going to happen. That That's really bad. Yes. <laughs> so you don't want to do that. Or where they take uh, all the good scenes of the entire movie and put it in the f- movie trailer and like, you could just watch that and skip the movie. So <laughs> Yeah. So the, the yeah exactly. So the idea is just to leave the reader wondering how in the world is the hero going to make this. Right. Uh, and uh, Just leave them there. And then once you have left them there on that 
fictional cliff there. <laughs> you let them hang there and then you give them the call to action. And basically a call to action could be something as simple as the la- last line just reading, buy the book today or something like that. And it, it sounds stupid because you would think that, well, if they are sitting there, they've clicked the cover, they're on the book page, maybe on Amazon, and they're reading through the entire blurb. Aren't they there because they want to buy the book? Yes, and uh, most of them will probably. But studies have shown, though, that a direct call to action like buy the book today, it does increase the conversion rate. So there's no reason not to leverage that fact and just write that those few words at the end of it and, and, and just you know, convert a few more sales. I mean, why not, right? Exactly. I've always thought that was funny. It's like, well, wait, you, they're on Amazon reading the blurb and you have to tell them to go buy it, but it makes a big difference to get them emotionally hooked so that they go and press that, you know, buy now or download a sample now. It really does help. And I also say there's um, sometimes I like to include something called the emotional sell, which comes right after dire straits. And that's where if you happen to have some really good reviews or awards or just something else that kind of builds up like what fans are calling the new great epic fantasy, you know, pick it up today. It doesn't hurt to have Mm, if you have something else to put in there that's kind of an emotional sell to get them to really get excited, kind of validate you as an author or your book from other people's perspectives. They're saying, oh, yes, this is a very good book. So if you've got a a review quote or something else or an award, something you can put in there, it can really help to ferment, hey, this is a great book. And then tell them, go get it. And they will run off and go buy it. Yeah, it's, it's that social proof. And, and I will also say, if you, let's, let's say that you released a book like five years ago and, mm-hmm. and in the meantime, it have accumulated maybe, I don't know, whatever, hundreds of euros, let's just say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, then don't feel too shy to, to go back and update your review and, and just add that stuff into the, to the call to action section here, as Autumn is saying, you know, just say like hundreds of 5.5 or 4.5 star reviews on Amazon or whatever, you know, just uh, add that one line at the end there just to increase the conversion rates. Because at the end of the day, every single sale counts. Absolutely. And selling books is not like, uh, it's it's not uploading and then the sales will just tick in. You you, you need (laughs) to convert everybody you can get to land on that landing page. Absolutely. And I will say too, that there is, sometimes you'll see blurbs on Amazon that go past the call to action and keep going. And I know some people really wonder about those. And that's partially because Amazon and other places give you over a thousand words to put into your review. And I think, I forget who it is. I almost think it's 5,000 words. That's a lot of words. And you don't have to fill it. You don't have to use it all. But there are people who know the algorithms and they know the more times that they can put in their keywords, fantasy, blah, 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 they're going to rank higher. So there is sometimes a you know, you can have a question and answer session or an interview. I've seen those things after the call to action. And I'm kind of ambivalent about that. I don't know how you feel about it, Jesper. I know why they're doing it. They're usually doing it to hit all the keywords they need to rank higher on Amazon. But it can kind of dilute everything that came above it. Yeah, in my view, you need to be really careful. You're not diluting the, the mm-hmm. blurb. The blurb needs to read well, and it needs to be a good blurb and stand on its own. Uh, and the Amazon algorithms are getting so smart that they actually index and read the blurb anyway. Mm-hmm. So 
I think keyword stuffing is one of the, well, it, it's the old days advice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, it's still good to have keywords, of course, but but then if you write a really good blurb that talks about what the book is about and it's an epic fantasy or whatever, you know, and you're going to have the keywords there anyway. So just stuffing more in, it, it, it's not going to help, actually. I, I Maybe from an algorithm perspective, you might get a few more keywords in, but from a really friendly perspective you're going to lose right so i don't know I, I won't say that it cannot be done but you really need to be careful with what you're doing if, if that's what you're trying to do and i think it's just more safe not to try to be clever like that yeah i agree i think that's a good way of looking at it how you said it it's something that used to be done keyword stuffing i think we've moved beyond that and i think if readers don't realize what it is i just think that yeah, it's diluting it. So it's probably not current best practice, but you still see it done. But And maybe you've done it. So you might need to go back and hey, update your blurbs. It doesn't hurt to double check you know, your blurbs after even a couple years as your book hmm. ages and see, you know, make sure that it still sounds as good. And like I said, sometimes if you read your reader's comments, you'll find some new, new things to add. And that's always a good thing. So you might be able to update your blurb and make it more exciting and maybe pick up a few more readers. Yeah, that's the cool thing about being an indie author. It, it's so easy to do these updates. Uh, it, it, you know, you can always go in, you can upload a new uh, blurb on, on your book and it, it takes like 10 minutes, you know? It, it's so incredibly easy. And in all the days that was would have been impossible, but nowadays it's so incredibly easy. So, you know, if, if your blurb is not working, if it's not converting well, and all this stuff, you know, try to write a new one and do, do something differently with it. And, and of course, if if you need help, uh, then as we set up on the top, uh, I actually wrote an entire step-by-step -step guide on how <laughs> to write not only just a blurb, but actually a fantasy book description. So it, it's specifically focusing on fantasy book descriptions. And uh, I'll add a link in the, in the show notes for that. And uh, it comes with a lot of examples. It tells you exactly what to do step by step. It also has a, a bonus chapter on uh, nonfiction blurbs. So for those of you who might be looking at writing nonfiction, like Autumn and I do, <laughs> uh, then um, there is a bonus chapter on, on what to focus on for nonfiction blurbs as well. So next Monday, we are going to share the three pieces of advice that we wish we had received when we first started out. Yay! If you like what you just heard, there's a few things you can do to support the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. Please tell a fellow author about the show and visit us at Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. You can also join Autumn and Jasper on patreon.com slash amwritingfantasy. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll get awesome rewards and keep the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast going. Stay safe out there and see you next Monday.